Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend, Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachi Kiddushin, daf Yod Aleph, page 11. Well, basically, this daf is going to deal with the opinion of Beit Shai uh, regarding the use of Kesev for Kiddushin. The mission has told us, Bekesev Beit Shamay Arim Bedinar, that Beit Shamay said that in order to do Kesev for Kiddushin, the value of that Kesev needs to be at least a dinar, as opposed to Beit Hillel, who says a pruta which is actually what we do today. And many of you may have noticed that at a wedding, uh, sometimes when the A-Day Kedushin, when the witnesses to Kedushin are called up and they examine the ring, the Misadar Kedushin, right, the rabbi who's officiating, often will say something like, uh, does this ring look like that it is valued at at least a pruta? So we follow Beit Hillel's opinion. But now we're going to do a deep dive into Beit Shammai's opinion. My Tamai who debate Shammai. So the question that the Gemara wants to deal with here is what is the reason for Beit Shammai that he says a dinar and not a pruta? And essentially, there's going to be a series of opinions. We're not going to read all of them. We'll read a few of them, uh, trying to explain Beit Shammai's opinion. So the first one they offer is Rabbi Zera. I'm a Rabbi Zera. So Rabbi Zera basically says the reason why it has to be a dinar is, is that a dinar is like it's, it's a real sum of money. And it would sort of be beneath her dignity to accept anything less than that. A pruta is like a pruta is like a cent, right? It's sort of like the smallest value of money. It means it has a value, but it's not really a lot of money. Whereas a dinar is actual money. And so Rabbi Zera is saying, why would a woman want to say that she could be mikudeshet just with a, a pruta, right? You know, with something that's not a lot of value. And therefore, Beit Shammai says it's a dinar. Um, and so... Abai interestingly brings an example here. He says, Amar le Abai. So Abai said to him, El- If this is so, Kagom Bante de Rabbi Yanai, right? Then look at this example of the daughters of Rabbi Yanai, de Kapdan Anapshe, who are very particular about themselves. In other words, they're very particular about being honored. And they would not be Mikudesh, they would not be betrothed with less than three calves of dinar, right? So what's interesting to see here is, is that even the, what the opinion of Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel, we could say, is a minimum, but someone is allowed to oppose a maximum, right? They could say, okay, maybe a dinar is okay according to Beit Shammai or a pruta according to Beit Hillel, but I value myself in a different way and I want to make it actually uh, more money. And then the Gemara goes on to say, Hachi nami di'i pashta yada zuza me'achar, Right. So would you say that if one of these daughters, right, of Rabbi Yanai reaches out her hand and accepts a dinar, even though normally they make make sure that their kedushin is three dinars, would you say that that is not, uh, would you say that that is not kedushin? In other words, Abai's point is, is that this doesn't make sense to be Abai's explanation, Beit explanation, that it has to be a sort of a higher amount, because the point is, it, what you really want to do is create an amount, according to the Mishnah, that is the minimum. And Rabbi Zayr is explaining this in a maximalist sort of way, right? He's saying nobody would accept less than. And Abai is basically saying, yeah, people could accept less than, right? Like here we have this example, the daughter of Rabbi Anai's daughters, who generally their custom is they only accept three dinars for their Kedushan. But if they accepted less, we still would say that they're Mikudeshet. So the same thing with Beit Shammai of a dinar. If somebody accepted less than a dinar, doesn't mean that they're not being mocked on what their value is, 
but they were willing to accept less. So basically we're saying that this doesn't actually make sense. Um, and so Rabbi Zera answers him and says, Amar lei, right? Hashta yata bikiblala kamina, ki kamina tikacha bilala inami So he says, I didn't say this halacha includes a case when she reaches out her hand and accepts it, right? Of course she has the right to sort of do something that is really beneath her dignity. What he was saying is halacha is a case where he basically did kedushin at night and she couldn't see what she was being given. Right. And so therefore, there has to be a minimum amount. And that is going to be a dinar or she appointed an agent and she, and but didn't say explicitly how much she wanted to get for her kedushin. In these cases, it's assumed that, yes, there is a minimum at which, uh, you know, they would have to accept it. So Rabbi Zer is basically saying, right, I'm not giving a maximum definition for what Beit Shammai is saying. I'm giving a minimum that in a case where the woman didn't know, knew she was going to be entering kedushin, but the amount hasn't been set upon, a dinar would be the amount that below a dinar would have been sort of uh, below her dignity and she would not be willing to accept it. And so I think this passage is interesting because it's sort of playing around with like, are these opinions in the Mishnah, is it a maximalist opinion or a minimalist uh, approach? And I think ultimately we're trying to say it's a minimum, that Beit Shammai's minimum is a dinar, Beit Hillel's minimum is going to be a pruta. Uh, I'll stop here and hand it off to Anne you know, then they're going to go through a few other uh, different explanations. Uh, the next lengthy one is Rav, Rav Yosef, which Anne is going to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, which which basically wants to say, uh, you know, that when we talk about values in the Torah, right, we're talking about a, a certain type of uh, uh, the coinage that comes from Sor, uh, Ty- Tyranian coinage, which has a higher value. But when the rabbis are talking, Michelle Debraham, Kess of Medina, we're talking about provincial coinage, which was sort of a local coinage or a local currency during the time of the Mishnah. And that was actually uh, worth much less. So really this Beit Shammai one, yes, it's higher because he's sort of following the currency of the Torah. It happens to be, I think, one of the most, the single most, I don't know, practical elements of the Gemara, right? This is very much real life. There's not like, let's imagine what money might be like. No, no, this is, these are the coins that were in use in the various places and they had different values. And, you know, we're going to see much more of this as we come into Nazikin. But I do think that the the very fact that we have, you know, an assessment of the money that is mentioned in the Torah and that it has to be from, from Tzur, like the, and value, like, Whatever. It's very practical. That's all I'm trying to get at here. Now we're going to get into, you know, what does it really mean? Gulfa, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav Asi. Kol kesef amor b'torah, kesef tsuri, b'shel divrehem, kesef medina. So the distinction here is going to be between Torah-level coinage and rabbinic coinage, which your Dana, you just called a provincial. I think the point is that it's local, right? But the idea is that when you're talking about money at a rabbinic level, or you have a rabbinical requirement for love for for money, then that can be at the provincial level, let's say at the local level. But if it's money that is addressed or discussed in the Torah, for example, specifically, you know, oh, I don't know, kiddushin, right? There's other situations also. You could have all kinds of. I'm trying to think of offhand that I'm not coming up with. I don't know. Your data. Do you have something offhand where kesef is addressed at a Torah level? Well, the, the Gemara is going to give a whole bunch of examples, right? Like any anything right. where there's an exchange of money, 
the idea is it's a much higher value of currency than anything that rabbinically involves money. Right. So I'll, I'll explain my question when I get there. I'm about to get there, but I'll explain why the question comes to me here and not there. Be, uh, in just a moment. Okay, so Kol Kesav Amorebator, Kesav Tzuri, that's a, that's the Tyrian money. Michelle Divraham, Kesav Medina, that's the local money. But Klalahu, so the Gemara says, is that really like an established principle that that any time you're talking about money in the Torah, you're talking about something that's a silver coin and that is worth the value of a dinar, meaning that's the Tyrian money that's valuable. And there are many cases in the Gemara, as you've mentioned, Jordina, that that discuss money where you would think that it's about any money that people might be using, not that it has a particular, meaning when you're talking about Kesef for Kiddushin, so then, or, or Pidyon Haben that we had the other day, right? So then you can imagine, you're talking about a very specific value of money, that kind of thing, as opposed to you gave somebody a loan. Well, isn't that money? It is money. Does it have to be Tyrian money or can it just be whatever money people are functioning in, and that's where it gets a little more complicated. So now I'm at the top of a bet. So it's exactly this kind of claim, right, where somebody says, you didn't give me back the money that I lent you, right? I, you have to give it, the, a man gave money to his friend to, and this isn't a lending, this is a guarding, right? He's going to ask that, you know, you watch, you watch my stuff, your data, could you watch my cash? And then while my cash is in your house, it gets stolen out of your house. Some friend you are. So now what happens is that then in this case, right, your data would take an oath to say that, you know, this is the amount that was left with her and she was not negligent and so on. Right. And the amount then what happens, it has to be that the claim is for the tuma, right? It can only be for that amount because that's the Torah's level of the money, which as I say is difficult to me. Then the and then all she's gonna you know, she, Yordana, in my example, the person who's who is guarding the money from whom it was stolen can say, Well, they have to attest that it was the value of at least a puta. And now, if every time this is the question, right? If every time the Torah talks about the tsuri money, the money from tsur, then how could they ever talk about tuma'a in this case? Right? If you if somebody says, Yes, I agree that you gave me a shavapruta worth a pruta to watch, then how can we say that there's two two dinar, right? How can that be the comparable level if we're always functioning in Tyrian money? Hatam Dumia Dekalim. Sumer so says, no, in that case, we're talking about Kale, it, you, the verse, that verse from, from Shmot, right? That when a person gives you kesef o kelim, right? Money or stuff, vessels, right? The very fact that you've got the money next to the vessels kind of changes the way the money is regarded. Ma kelim shnaim, av kesef shnaim. So the same way that the word kelim is plural, and it means, it is understood to mean two, two items. So too, because of the juxtaposition of the words in the verse, it's going to be plural. Kesef is understood to be two. And the flip side of it is that the same way that money is considered to be important or valuable, the vessels are also considered to be significant in some manner, you know, and, and something that's less than that, whatever that might mean, is not going to fulfill this condition of a person guarding your stuff. The Gemara wants to know, 
beyond this, and of course it brings us to Maser, Maser Shani in this case, which is not quite Truma, but pretty close. Vahari Maser, what's the case of Maser? Dechtiv betzarta hakesav piyadcha, that when you, you bind up the money in your hand, right? Utanan haporet selab mimaot Maser Shani, so what happens then is, and this is a Mishnah in Maser Shani, which we talk all the time about how we don't have Gemara on those Mishnayos, so we haven't learned them in the Daf, and we're not going to, but here it is represented for us to make sure we know these halachot as well, right? That if you exchange lesser coins, copper coins, let's say, and that's the coins of the Maser Shani, and you're going to change it, change it for a Sela, so this goes to the discussion of Beit Shammai, where he talks about copper coins, how many copper coins for the whole silver sella. And now what happens when you've got Maser Shani money, which is money that is in the Torah, but now it seems that it could be in copper coins instead of the silver money from the Torah. Doesn't it have to be the, Tyr- the Tyrian money? And the Gemara says, no, when it says money, it doesn't just say money, it says ha-kesef, kesef, ha-kesef, riba. It says that by doing that, we have um, like a, an emphasis on the word, right? And therefore it teaches that Maser Shani can be in any money, not just the silver money from the Torah. Meaning, look at this as an exception, and now hopefully the idea is that that will then prove the rule that you're going to say all other money, except for the case where you have an exception, is going to be the silver Suri money. But the Gemara is going to ask, hektesh, right? You thought we were leaving the temple. No, no, we're getting there. Right, we had Maser Shani. Now we've got consecrated property. Somebody says he'll give them the the verse says right in Vayikra he'll give the money and it will be um v'kamlo it will be established for him. Shmuel says that when you have consecrated property and that property is worth a hundred dinar and you've redeemed it for an amount that's only one puta. It's still considered redeemed. You've redeemed that value of the holiness so that now you can go about your, like you've removed the holiness from the item, even though it's a very different monetary value, but you've removed the sanctity so that you can function. And now it's mechulal, meaning that's what you wanted to happen. It was redeemed. So the Gemara says, no, learn that way. Also, it's an, it's an unusual case. You should understand it also from the money from the Maser Shani. And Therefore, you could use any other coin in this case. Also, it doesn't just have to be the silver money. But don't think this is a normal case either. Just because every case that we brought so far is an exception, that doesn't make them the normal case. And now, of course, we come to Kiddushin. The Gemara says, well, the verse in Devarim says, when a man takes a woman and sleeps with her, kicha kicha and now the fact that he, the language of this verse, ki yikach ish isha, it says yikach, he will take her. That lines up then with the language of taking from the field of Ephron, that we've seen this comparison before, to allow for money to begin with as a measure of kidushin. Utanan So what happens is the whole idea of marriage, it doesn't explicitly state money. In with regard to it. So let's understand that when you're going back to the money of stay Ephron, to the field of Ephron, in which case, maybe we understand that that's going to be the silver money. Except for that, 
we know from the Mishnah, the Beit Hillel says, you can betroth a woman with a Sheva Pruta, meaning, or any item that's worth a Sheva Pruta. So it doesn't have to be just Tyrian silver money. So then we have to understand that Rav Asi, who's the one who says that all the money is the, is the Tyrian coinage, meaning he is the one who makes this point. Well, so are we saying then that his opinion lines up with Beit Shammai and that's his whole point? So that's one way of reading it. The Rav Asi simply lines up with Beit Shammai and is more specific then about the money. The Gemara is going to go on and say, you know, the review, basically it says that all, it wants to revise Rav Asi with a different kind of reading that says all the money, kol kesef katsuv ha'omor betura kesef tzuri vishal divrehem kesef midina. So that anything that is established as a set amount of money in the Torah, that's where you get the Tyrian coinage, not just any time it says money. Um, and then, of course, it's going to delve further into what is Ravasi, what is Ravasi talking about. There are examples of, and we've mentioned them already, some of them, right? Pidjon Haben, that's five sela. Uh, you pay 30 sela for a slave. There's 50 sela for a rape. I know that's a terrible you know, monetary application. But there are times when it doesn't just say money, it says a specific number of money. And perhaps that's what Ravasi was referring to when he says it has to be Tyrian money. I Look, I think it's interesting that this is the opinion that the bulk of the doc deals with. The other opinions are sort of able to give a refutation to very quickly. Um, but I really like the way the Gemara thoroughly goes through multiple different examples from the Torah that require money, basically to show that it doesn't really work, you know, sort of uh, what Rav Asi wanted to sort of create as the difference between Torah currency and rabbinic currency. Um, and it's also like a detail that I wouldn't have thought of. You know, when we talk about money and the value of things within different halachic scenarios, you know, what currency we're using actually makes a difference. Which, right, I think nowadays, I feel like money, we know money is fungible, right? The, like, we know that it's not like that's your special coin. Sure, have a special coin. But for the most part, it's the value of the money. And it, what difference does it make if the value of your money is in shekel or dollars or pounds or, or you know, whatever it might be? And here we have a ex- real serious exception to that. And And also, I think it's interesting because it shows that, like, Yes, the Torah still is given at a certain time. And so the currency of that time is sort of still connected to those halachot, even throughout the generations. Right. And once we then switch to rabbinic currency for non-Tyrian coinage, like eventually they have to go further than that and say, we don't have Tyrian coinage anymore. We don't use it nowadays. Right. And so therefore they have to sort of replace it with what they know. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadra website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.